0: organization as you say um do they have comply are they compliant? do they have any form of governance um and off the fact you know off the back of that a lot of operators have a lot of strata assets too and then some investors view that as risky with the residential redevelopment schemes as well so look overall you know redbox has been very well placed to to capitalize on that with with obviously having most of our sites safe certified uh, under the storage association invented by night frank uh, and i think with Increasing investment in technology, um, there are still opportunities to, to scale platforms in Hong Kong. All right, well, Tim, we'll uh, we'll look forward to hearing more about that in the future. Thank you very much. That's Tim, out the CEO of Redbox on Money Talk.
1: You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio Three.
0: All right, quick look at the markets before we go. I did say the Hang Seng Futures Index was looking up, but the rest of the region is already in action, and it is a little, uh, little red out there. Nikkei, 225, Kospi, and the ASX are all down. Uh, Bitcoin and Ether also on their way down. Uh, I'd like to thank my producer, Christy Lai, and our sound man, Tsang Wing Ming, uh, today helping us out. Uh, just after the news, we're going to have back chat. Coming up with Janice Wong and Jenny Lamb. So get ready for some more excitement on that front. I can see uh, some exciting guests lining up in the studio, ready to go. Uh, Looking at the weather, mainly fine, cool in the morning, max temperature around 23 degrees. The temperature now is 19 degrees Celsius, 75% humidity. And this has been Money Talk.
1: The time is now 8.31 and the news with Barry O'Rourke. Mainland authorities have announced a loosening of COVID-19 restrictions, which will see frequency and scope of PCR testing reduced. Lockdowns will also be scaled back and people with mild COVID symptoms can isolate at home instead of centralised government facilities. Executive Councillor Geoffrey Lamb says it's a step in the right direction and he hopes officials can negotiate the raising of the daily quota for crossing the border before discussing the full resumption of cross-border travel
2: the measures announced by Beijing today is very encouraging I suggest Hong Kong government to start to liaise with the mainland authorities in you know first of all increase the quota of Hong Kong people entering the mainland every day and secondly about the quarantine free measures if things works out fine you know and the number drops from like 10,000 to, you know, 1, two thousand or even in the hundreds that would give a very good sign for the authorities on the other side to consider loosening up the procedures.
1: People aged 18 or above who wish to get a fifth dose of a COVID vaccine can make an appointment to do so from Friday next week, more from Todd Harding. In a statement, the administration said people can choose the new Biontech bivalent vaccine for their fifth jab or the older Biontech or Sinovac vaccine. The BioNTech bivalent jab will also be available to adults who are getting a third dose of vaccine, with bookings opening this Friday. Meanwhile, authorities said they've arranged outreach medical teams to administer the BioNTech bivalent vaccine to residents of care homes. The government said it's adopting the latest recommendations from an expert panel and the scientific committees of the Centre for Health Protection. The Indonesian government says it's released on parole one of the people responsible for the Bali bombings 20 years ago. The law ministry said Umar Patek had been released early from prison in East Java for what it called good behaviour. The BBC's Michael Bristow reports.
3: In 2012, Umar Patek was imprisoned for 20 years after a decade-long manhunt. As a member of a radical Islamist group, he'd helped mix the chemicals for bombs that killed 202 people on the holiday island of Bali many of them Australians. He's ended up serving only half his sentence. His early release was approved in August. At the time, the Australian Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, said this would only bring renewed distress to families still grieving for their lost loved ones.
1: The United Nations General Secretary Antonio Guterres says he's deeply concerned about the first confirmed public execution in Afghanistan since the Taliban returned to power. The UN wants a moratorium on the death penalty. Here's the BBC's Anbarasan Etirajan. This event happened inside a stadium, a sports stadium, where many senior Taliban
2: figures were present, including their acting foreign minister, the interior minister, and several other Taliban leaders. It shows the importance given by the Taliban to tell their own people, Afghan people, that you know,
1: they are now serving their own version of Islamic justice. A former paratrooper and a German aristocrat are among those who've been arrested for plotting to overthrow the government. Police raided properties across Germany as well as in Italy and Austria, targeting a right-wing group who prosecutors say were planning to attack the German parliament and install a new government. The alleged plotters include members of the Reichsbürger movement, which rejects the legitimacy of the modern German state, and conspiracy theorists. Katrine Bernold from the New York Times holds, hosts a podcast looking at far-right plots against the government in Berlin. It's very easy to dismiss them as crazies. The dangerous thing is
0: that a lot of them are very deeply inside these conspiracy bubbles. They believe the majority of the German people are behind them. A lot of them are armed. And, you know, there's 20,000 known members of this movement
1: Finally, scientists have identified the most ancient DNA yet. Buried in an Ice Age sediment in northern Greenland, the DNA is two million years old, twice the age of the previous record. The study also found that the area, which today is covered in snow and ice, was once a rich forest. The BBC's Rebecca Morell has more.
4: Until now, it's been hard to turn back the clock and see what the Arctic was like two million years ago. Animal fossils from this period are extremely rare there. But scientists have now studied samples of ancient soil unearthed in the northernmost tip of Greenland and they've discovered DNA shed by plants and animals long ago. The researchers have found genetic traces of elephant-like mastodons, reindeer, rodents and geese that roamed among birch and poplar trees and arctic shrubs and herbs. Marine life included horseshoe crabs and green algae.
1: You're listening to the news on RTHK.
5: Good morning and welcome to BackChat. I'm Janice Wong and our guest presenter is Jenny Lam. On today's program, we're looking at the government's proposal to double the littering fine to $3,000 to boost its deterrent effect. It's also looking at quadrupling the penalty for illegal shop extensions and the illegal dumping of construction waste to $6,000.
4: In a paper submitted to LegCo, the government said it was necessary to raise the statutory penalties to sustain, consolidate and enhance environmental hygiene in the long run. The proposal comes as the number of fixed penalties notices for offences of obstruction of public places almost doubled from 2019 to 2021, according to figures from the Food and Environmental Hygiene Department.
5: So how effective will higher penalties be? What impact will it have on Hong Kong's effort to reduce overall
4: waste? After 9.15, we'll be looking at calls for the government to provide better support for women going through menopause. And at 9.25, we'll get the latest World Cup update from our sports correspondent.
5: And uh, joining our discussion this morning, we have on the line Lawrence Yu, the Executive Director of Civic Exchange. And uh, here with us in our Kowloon Tong studio is Southern District Councillor Paul Zimmerman, the CEO of Designing Hong Kong. And later on in the program, we'll also be joined by Beatrice Yu from Greeners Action. So first of all, Paul, what do you think? Double the fine, double the deterrent? Is that what we can expect from the government's proposal to uh, raise the penalty for littering?
6: No, I don't think so. Um, doubling the fine is not going to double the deterrent effect. Um, uh, it, it, it's helpful, and um, I, I'm not against doubling the fine. Uh, let me put it clearly. I think it's it's welcome, and we've seen inflation, so we have to keep these levels of these fines up, but it's not going to do the job. Um, and and I, if I use an example, bills posted on the side of the road. Uh, I have these in Poc Lump, so all these, all these property agents They're all sticking bills everywhere. And we've been been fighting them for a long, long time. Their phone number is on the bill. Despite the fact that their phone number is on the bill, the government cannot enforce because they have to see the person hanging the the bill on the lamppost, which is a a ridiculous thing. And so with this... With this amendment, uh, government really should address the issue of, of, of who can you prosecute. Uh, so if they have this whole concept of a person in charge, and they've got to be seen to be hanging the poster. Well, maybe there's got to be the beneficiary, and the beneficiary then has to prove that it wasn't him that put his phone number on the, on the, on the lamppost. Uh, right. So they have to really change that around. Uh, uh, so and, and you can look at the other two categories, littering and shopfront extension, in a similar manner.
4: So you're saying better enforcement. What about what about the number of bins that are around?
6: Well, then it comes to the issue of littering. Um, uh, so uh, we, we now have this discussion about removal of bins, uh, which in itself is, of course, related to the waste charging that is coming. Um, but still people need to recycle and in some areas we need bins because there's a lot of congregation of people and they're consuming and they're eating food outside at, 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 at shops and so they got to dispose so we need we need a a um a better, I think, thought through process of of what bins do we need where. Um, I was driving out of my village this morning and I was looking at the bin site on the side of the road. And it's a mess because the recycling bins are just way too small. Everybody's making an effort to recycle and the bins are too small. So uh, again, just removing the bins is not going to help. It's going to increase literally. But the, the bigger issue, I think, is, is uh, our con- construction industry. The small contractors. I'm not talking about the big ones that are having a waste license requirement to bring the waste to the dump site. I'm talking about all the small renovation waste. These guys finish their job at seven o'clock in the evening. They got two bags of waste in the back of the of the van, of the ace van. Where are they going to put it? They would have to drive all the way to Trinquetaille to the end of the landfill to to deposit it. It's not going to work. These guys want to go home, have dinner with their wife and kids. So um, we need. Facilities for that small construction waste that are in closer proximity to where people work. So then they're going to be enticed to actually drive over there and do the right thing. These guys don't want necessarily to dump the, side of the stuff on the side of the road, but they want to go home too. So I think there's got to be a facility available for small construction waste, and that's absent. And not recognising the reason why people dump things on the side of the road, I think, is, and just increasing the fines is not sufficient. The government got to do more.
5: So Mr. Yu what, what do you think? I mean Paul here he's just saying uh, that increasing the fine will uh, not be enough.
2: Um definitely I agree with Paul that um increase the fine is not enough because the fine is just a small part of like the whole campaign to impo- improve Hong Kong people awareness. So that I believe that the Hong Kong government especially the Environmental and Ecological and Ecology Bureau definitely need to use the science approach to create a science-based action list in three particular areas. The first one is the enforcement hotspot, And then secondly is like how to educate people to change their mindset. And then thirdly is like to identify where they need to enhance or increase the number of the community recycling station. For the enforcement one, Paul just mentioned one really good thing is like It's very hard to enforce, even though the phone number on it, and then still no enforcement. But actually now that all the SIM card already is like registered with your ID number, so that the government can use a more innovative approach to enforce um, this kind of um, action. And then secondly is... Education, because in the future, um, the government already announced it will be less and less um, rubbish being on the street, and then the recycling bin will be removed from the street because of the MSW charging. So that we need to educate Hong Kong. The government need to put more resources to educate Hong Kong people to really like learn how to like to change their habits. and then finally, it's like the hotspot for um, put um. To like extending the existing community station because the government now already with has like 160 plus um, community recycling network across Hong Kong, and then definitely needs to figure out how can really help people to aware the station is exists and nearby, and make the whole experience improve, and they make the experience make them more. Co- Makes it more convenient. That will also really help the people to change their habits.
5: All right, I have a message here from a listener, Richard. He says uh, in terms of the uh, increased penalty, he says this is all well and good. But uh, like what you're mentioning, um, who's going to enforce this? I mean, every day there are people dumping furniture, construction waste, cars and whatever else they don't need out here in the countryside. Um, that message is from Richard. But but, um, Mr. You, when we look at the um, uh, work that is being done to enforce this, so we can see that the FEHD, they, they have uh, issued uh, many fix-up uh, fines for public cleanliness uh, violations, and uh, um, and also they have set up like uh, their own clean up teams to uh, um, catch people who who uh, at black spots who illegally uh, dump uh, rubbish. I mean, is that uh, I mean, what, what more can be done? I mean, they they're using uh, footage from uh, IP cameras to investigate cases. What more can be done?
2: Okay, so maybe three areas. The first one is like. Um Enhance the efficient of enforcement. Secondly, is like progressive increase the fine, and that for those is like keep um, violate um, the law, or like keep put abstract the rural or illegal dumping. And then, thirdly, is review um, the fine, uh, review the fine, and then also is like uh, regularly after the implementation of the MSW bill. Um, in particular, for let me. Um, share more about like how to enhance the enforcement because now I observe that like in the in showing there are some um, stories like keep um, track the role however the FDHC staff is not really able to really effective find them effectively because they need to like collect a lot of evidence and then also take a lot of photo before they really can make action that mean that um, that is not sufficient to really like um, stop um the shop um, obstruct the road. they just simply simply is like internalize um the um, fine into their rent. however, actually the government can really use some approaches like can really find them immediately after if they still haven't really changed or remove the obstacle. Um, object on the road or like is really take away immediately that can really um, enhance the enforcement and then secondly is progressively because six thousand hong kong dollar is not really like um, sufficient to find them because it's just a small money maybe they like one or one hour, or just like 15 minutes, already can get this kind of um, revenue. So that the government definitely need to really um, think about the fine structure. Maybe make a progressive um, structure, or like if the shop is like um, repetitively um, fined by the FDHD, maybe the shop owner need to like send that him to the court, and then the finally is like definitely need to review um, the fine structure uh, regularly because the previous um, fine um, adjustments was like um, 2003 at the south but now we almost like get out from the COVID so that you can see um, there's a Really um, huge time gap. That the government really didn't re um, reveal the fine structure. I I still remember one wonton noodle at 2003. It was cost like ten Hong Kong dollar. But now for uh, one one wonton noodles, at least cost us like forty Hong Kong dollar. So that that. Um, is not, the existing fine is not sufficient. However, in the future, the government definitely needs to review the fine structure regularly.
5: Right. So, uh, Paul, um, Mr. Yu here, he's saying the uh, $6,000 fine for illegal shop extension is uh, and illegal dumping is not enough. But, uh, I mean, some shop owners, uh, they have told RTHK that the proposed increase is actually too high, especially during the current economic downturn. Um, what's your view on that? I mean, is this the right time? Well, I,
6: I, I guess there are two things. One is the, uh, the level of the fine. The other one is whether you're willing to tolerate that somebody has an extension. Um, if you we, if we look at the, um, the the fines, I totally agree with Lawrence. Uh, the government got to have a progressive system uh, where if it's your first time, you get a one-time fine. If it's your second time, it's three times the fine. If it's the third time, you get five times the fine. You know, it is a progressive system so that you really put the pressure on people. The issue is uh, enforcement. So this having to identify the person in charge at the shop, uh, that has to be addressed. It should be just automatically be the owner of the shop right there. And then the property owners who deal with his tenant, and the tenant can deal with their staff, but the government should not have to go and find out who's the person who did it. That, that's just, it, it makes it so clumsy, the enforcement. So, so that needs to be addressed. But on the issue of tolerated areas, there are some shops where extensions are good, for example, the flower market in in, in, in Mong Kok. you know why
4: is that a, why is that good?
6: We've got a great market there, an exciting market and great space where people love to walk around and enjoy the flowers it's yeah it's a, there's a tradition of having shops from the extension. the flowers are all over the street, but it works and it's nice and it's attractive and and people love going there and they love walking the street there and go through the market. But then it's about managing that as a market. It's managing the tolerated areas where you do allow for people for a certain time of the day to put flowers outside in specific areas. The government has recognised that there is a need for that, but they have never really pulled that through. Now, it, another tolerated areas. If we would push all the recycling to indoor space, so we say to all the recyclers in the city, that really gather the materials during the day and a the truck arrives later in the afternoon and removes it, that they have to be inside a building, recycling would be extremely expensive and unfeasible. So we need space for recycling in the city. And, and we, we have that. And can, can government have a system where we tolerate areas where the recyclers operate, where they do gather materials during the day and then the truck comes and removes it the nighttime day gone? Then And then where do you do that and where do you not do that? So I think that, at one hand, shopfront extensions need to be addressed, we need a multiplier in the uh, progressive uh, finding system, we've got to resolve the PIC, but at the same time, we can't uh, sterilise the entire city, there are good things about the use of public space for activities, and we've got to facilitate that, and we need a, a good progressive mechanism for that.
4: And wouldn't that, that just make enforcement even harder for, for these officers? I mean, if you say the flower market, okay, um, you know, is pleasant, you know, it's flowers, the people up in Shanghai near the border will make the same argument. We have a very vibrant market. Well, right now we don't have those cross-border shuffles, mm-hmm. but when they do, they say, we have a very vibrant market too.
6: Well, it's it's, it's making sure that you can regulate it and have a system for it, where people can apply, the district council can give comments, and then there can be a regular review, the boundaries are set out on the street, not what you currently have, where toleration of, of certain areas as the government is doing it, is really basically about closing your eyes, It's about not enforcing and just letting it happen. It's not about designating areas. It's not about a procedure of a, a, agreeing on what the boundaries are, what the time schedules are. So that needs to be a, pro, a positive process, not just a, kind of like a close my eyes in this tolerated area, which is what currently happens in Moncock.
4: Oh, about this idea of a progressive fine, should that be applied to our- everyday littering
6: well you can uh, you can apply it to everyday littering you can p- apply it to bills posting you could have a similar a similar mechanism how practical it is that you're going to have a person littering at the same time with that same truck driver or the same construction company dumping at the same location it's a little bit harder shopfront is, is very specific to that shop um we have a a, a vegetable shop in in aberdeen uh, and it puts this shopping extension right at the crossing where everybody has to cross the road. It's very, very busy there. People are pushed out onto the road because of that shopfront extension. It's the same guy been doing it for the last 15 years. Government knows it. We talk about it regularly in, in the district council. Despite that, the guy continues to do it, and they just stand there taking a photograph and I'm giving the guy a ticket once in a while. It's not worth, so it's 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 it's, uh, it's worth his uh, him for him or her who operates a shop to just to pay that. And again, it's the, it's it's identifying the PRC. So multiplier is important, and just making the shop owner, <laughs> the property owner, make him responsible. Let him go and prove that it's the tenant who has to pay, and the tenant can improve that it's actually his staff that should pay. But just keep it simple.
4: One of the things that triggered this uh, discussion or this idea of increasing the fine is the rat infestation. The, the, the large amount of rubbish that's collected you know, outside wet markets. Um, there was one report, I think Oriental Daily, um, showed the rats eating carcasses that, that were discarded from the market. Um, so I looked it up and, and, and it seems that uh, there was a problem in the way they count uh, the number of rats. Because they use sweet potatoes as bait and the, and the rats are simply not biting, so they 're saying the number of rats is actually way higher than your index um, have what What do you think of this idea, problem of of rats Just-
6: well you know we have we use all kinds of indexes for counting mosquitoes and rats and things like that, and they you know as long as you keep the same system you can start it 's reasonable reliable to it to, to have a count although the count may not be perfect but you, the, the, the development of the count whether it goes up or down is, is 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 indicative whether problems are resolved in generally the city is cleaner in generally we have fewer mosquitoes at the wrong location bus stops we have fewer rats at 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 the sites but there are problems and that need to be addressed at, at the markets are, are definitely an area um yeah, and the markets, the government is now uh, starting to upgrade the markets. Um, it's a slow process. We just, Aberdeen is about ready. Um, and But in the design of the markets, we then start to look at what is your ability to process uh, garbage, the process, the recyclable materials, the phone boxes and so on. And then we're finding out that there's very little space. So, the, so the, the, build, the building has a new color and so on. But then we look at the waste handling recycling area. It's still the same which is a problem in every building in hong kong that we still build buildings with very little space for managing recyclables for managing our our refuse that we don't make enough space for it so most buildings and deal with it in the car park area or just outside and, and those are not designed for for hygienic management of our refuse and recyclables so so there is an ill issue with our building guidelines on that side
5: all right. I just want to go back to uh, Mr. Yu for a moment. Uh, you talking earlier. You're talking about the uh, difficulties in enforcement. I, I have a message here from our listener Polly, and uh, she wants to know uh, whether we can just use uh, surveillance cameras all over Hong Kong to, to help uh, catch people who, who are violating these uh, these uh, regulations.
2: So I think that will make a uh, surveillance camera is good for the enforcement. Unfortunately, we need to. I believe that we need to really strike balance between the privacy and then the enforcement, because for I believe that most of Hong Kong people are good. They won't littering or like obstruct the streets. Just a really small fashion. For for example, is like um, at year two thousand and twenty one, the uh, FESHD issued like fifty thousand um, fine ticket only so that is like a small portion of um, people um, just um, do, um, do something bad and then I don't really think that it's not a good idea to really influence our assets on um, the most of the Hong Kong public life uh, in this part, on this particular area but one thing I think maybe is more uh, better approach is like um, the, the The street issue or the street problem is really local issue. The government maybe can really think about is like first of all how to like better communicate with the local community. Secondly, is to establish a better um communication or feedback mechanism in the community. And then finally, is like how to really streamline the response um after they receive um the feedback from. The civil society, because um, as like Paul mentioned, they keep campaign um, the vegetable store in Aberdeen. However, it still no one really like make progress. That will make the community very frustrated. But if the government can really like set establish a really good feedback system and they engage the local community well, and that will make the whole community improve um, improve the environment pull out like a really collective, intelligent, uh, intellectual journey. So that I think um, engage with the citizens and the community will be a better approach than just use um, those technologies. To enforcement
6: yeah, I can give an example on that one uh, we had uh, on Victoria Road early in the morning people dumping and then FEHD would call us up and said oh we've cleaned it up already at 9 15 um, and and that's what they did but they never opened up the bags and see where it came from so I had to go there open a bag find an envelope find out that it was DeVoe road west find out there was a government contractor who was too late for the for the west island uh, transfer station so he would dump it on the side of the road and it would be cleaned up and it went on for years it was only until we got the envelope and we showed it to government that they then actually went to the contractor and resolved the issue. It, so it's is, it's enforcement, with it's local knowledge and, and speaking to people and responding to it actively. I think that is the best way to I- identify exactly what is going on, why is it happening, how can you address it? And the closure time of at 11 o'clock of the West Island Transfer Station was the issue. And it was a government contractor who, who did it because he was just too late in picking things up in, in, in the device Road west area, so you, you need to get local knowledge in there and uh, and local solutions
4: and so, um, so this would be the work of the district councils
6: the, the, uh, I, I, uh, yes it's the work of the district councils, but the, the question is then of whether the government has a mechanism to respond and work with the district councilors right um, so
4: the uh, response mechanism is typically you know you you dial 1823 and file a complaint and then they go go to the relevant department and respond. Is it not good enough right now? Uh, that,
6: that's that's good to uh, being able to record uh, problems. You're usually too late to respond to it, but then you have to start taking that data and start responding it systematically over time. All right, time. Paul, uh,
5: I'm afraid we have to continue this uh, discussion uh, after the news. Uh, um, uh, we'll we'll uh, in the around uh, three minutes, minutes time when we will also be joined by uh, Beatrice Yu from Greeners Action and uh, Mr You. I know you need Need to rush off. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Lawrence Yu, oh, the uh, Executive Director of Civic Exchange. And uh, if you want to ask questions or just share your views on today's topics, uh, do give us a call. Our number is 233 266 Now here's the weather. Cool in the morning, mainly fine and dry during the day with highs of around 23 degrees. Winds moderate northerlies. And uh, right now, the temperature reading at the observatory is 19 degrees. Relative humidity, 74%. Jenny Lam and me, Janice Wong, still with us on the program. is Southern District Councillor Paul Zimmerman, the CEO of Designing Hong Kong, and joining us now is Beatrice Sue, Senior Public Affairs Officer at Greeners Action.
4: So, before the break, uh, Paul Zimmerman, we were discussing whether the one eight two three system is um, adequate in handling public complaints about littering. What do you think?
6: Well, I think it's a good mechanism for for people to do report and they should report. Um, it's it's not going to respond right away. It's not going to be the police who's going to show up five minutes later if you if you make that phone call. But what it does is that they keep systematic track record. Of all the complaints and the locations and the times and dates and so on and they, they turn into reports and these reports are being used and for government to respond to and they had they have to respond to that so the various departments get the reports from from the efficiency unit from t- uh, t- uh, basically for all the reports that came in on tell me at 1823.gov.hk uh, and 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 that's and those reports and they have to then to explain themselves so it's, it's a very good system uh, and we should all use it all the time to uh, to send photographs and send complaints and so on so so I urge everybody who's listening yeah you, know, you know when it comes to bills posted, to take a picture send it in include the uh, the number of the lamppost that is being abused um, littering uh, take pictures make sure that it's clear the location and the time and and shop for the extension take pictures and send them in that those records are important because we can ask for them as district councillors or what is the incidence report reported by tell me uh, to by 182
5: Three. All right. Uh, let's go to Monsieur. Good morning, Monsieur.
7: Yes,
5: good morning. Good morning. So, so um, we're talking about the uh, the proposed higher penalties for littering and construction uh, waste dumping today. Um, how well, I mean, in your view, do you think uh, it will work in conjunction with the uh, municipal waste charging scheme that will start next year?
7: Yes, I think it's actually a very good timing um, in line with the MSW, we call it MSW, policy in uh, next year. And uh, we think that it's a good move for the government to increase the uh, penalty by double because it had not been adjusted since 2003 for um, actually quite a long time, uh, about 20 years. So I think it's time for um, the government to adjust the penalty, but what we are talking about is not just penalizing people. Um, we think that the government also optimize the uh, facilities for um, people who litter and also uh, keep monitoring. Uh, keep more. there uh, any um, illegal littering? And also improve um, the recycling facilities in order to um, help people to litter properly and to recycle things that should be recycled.
5: So we need education. Yes, correct. So and
6: facilities. I, I I totally agree. We need facilities. I mean, we we gotta have facilities for people to do to recycle or for people to bring their small construction waste. If we don't have facilities, then people continue to uh, to try to get rid of it just um, uh, on the side of the road somewhere.
4: Yeah. So this this um, lack of recycling facilities has been with us for for a while. I mean, we used to send a, a lot of it over to the mainline for recycling. It's it's there isn't enough of it. Maybe because it's just not a viable business that people, you know, are not willing to take it up. All Recycling. The... Oh. Mm.
7: Um, our, our suggestion is to set up some um, con- community recycling stations uh, particularly in uh, the three meals buildings and uh, and some uh, public housings or um, private housings they are not convenient for uh, the residents to uh, or for the property management to set up the uh, recycling facilities and also they would suggest um, having a transparent uh, recycling beam so that we know actually they are
4: yeah, but, but what I'm saying is, you can con- co- collect the recyclables, but where do they then go, Paul? Uh, well, I would think
7: that uh, so the government should also uh, facilitate, like after you know, all these facilities for collecting the um, the recycling items to uh, maybe centralize uh, handling of the recycling items. The,
6: the, the facilities are increasing. I mean, uh, I think actually yesterday, new life plastic, uh, which, which processes plastic bottles, uh, that are formaling a formal opening in, in Tumon Eco Park, um, government is, uh, is, uh, is upgrade is basically and helping the industry upgrade facilities that are out there. So, uh, on for, and especially on the plastic side, uh, uh, you know, to, to improve the facilities that are available in Hong Kong. So the recycling industry is, is improving. Um, it it really the the issue is getting it between the consumer and the processing facility and part of that is this whole issue about littering and uh facilities available for people to get rid of their uh, recyclable materials or getting rid of their small construction waste it's that infrastructure and the logistics in between that 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 is that we we really got to work on and it is also motivating for uh, residents if they can see that the city is clean right now if you see a, a refuse collection point and it's it's a mess the bins are over there is rubbish outside it's obviously too small for the for the population obviously inadequate for recycling then you don't motivate the population and, you, and it's hard to get their support but if these if they look clean, well-organized, ample space, then people are going to be participating. Um, Bins that are too small for recyclable materials are just not encouraging people at all.
4: Right, but but
5: but um, before we have uh, these extra facilities, before uh, we can uh, better educate the public about uh, changing their behavior in terms of uh, littering, what uh, sort of impact will the uh, higher penalties and uh, the uh, start of the waste charging scheme have on uh, littering and the illegal and, and uh, illegal dumping activities, Monsieur? Uh,
7: I would think it's actually the first step because. Um, uh, Increasing the penalties actually helping to people to stop littering uh, illegally, and uh, when they have this consensus, and uh, in line with the MSW, which means uh, charging the polluter, uh, polluter pays principle, and I think people will look for ways to recycle, uh, uh, the I uh, recycle more.
4: Yeah, uh, Paul Zimmerman, you did mention that this is very much a sort of localized issue. We we all know, you know. Um, certain areas of kowloon the 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 littering is worse than than other parts um mm-hmm. should should, should there, so so mr Simmerman, should should more be done. Uh, on on a local level, more targeted education, more targeted communication, maybe through the district councils themselves.
6: Yeah, and also understanding why people litter. I mean, uh, the people are, you know, not necessarily bad people. You know, people are good. Uh, they don't they don't want to do this. But the, the people live their lives and you've got to understand and respond to it. You can't just ignore that and, and say we're just putting up a fine or uh, without enabling for people to behave well. And so I think we need to focus on both at the same time and not just increase the fines. Uh,
4: What what about the
6: education part well, the communication part people want to people are looking for the opportunity all the time to to be doing the right thing so people are not looking for an opportunity to to, to do illegal things so um, I, I think the education is not the most critical thing you've got to communicate well of course you're got to make sure that people th- people can see it and and that uh, the uh, the information is available the access is there uh, but I, I don't think you can throw just loads of money at, at education the problem will go away if you don't provide the facilities. So fines are good, but facilities and and processes is is important.
4: Beatrice, you your thoughts? Yes, correct. Uh, I agree with uh, I agree with
7: him. And then I would like to add one more point: is that we uh, suggest also having ambassadors um, helping residents to uh, recycle things properly. And uh, we also think that. Uh, um, besides from uh penalizing the uh um the uh public, I think the government should have more uh educational works on like uh telling people that what should be uh disposed and what should could be recycled and which I think the government has been uh doing this for quite a few years. But I don't think it's enough. seems if you have a look at these street uh at the street recycling bins, and uh they were actually quite uh not working properly. So that's why the government uh would like to uh we uh, kind of uh, change the policy. Uh, but what we observe is that uh, actually recycling beans in, um, in private housing in some municipal buildings actually quite clean. Mm. So uh, we suggest having more ambassadors, helping um, residents and maybe the public to, um, to recycle the items.
5: But, but um, when we talk about education, Paul, I mean, how difficult do you think it will be? I mean, uh, I, I guess uh, maybe um, educating people not to litter is um, slightly easier than maybe um, trying to change people's habit of uh, some people's habits of uh, spitting on the floor or throwing their cigarette butts on the floor. Because, I mean, they have been doing that for, for many years. I mean, it's for some uh, elderly residents, maybe. Okay.
7: honestly if you take a look at the prostitution number, it's actually not that high if you uh, look into like uh like November in two thousand uh 2011, the prostitution number was like seventy something so we see that it's not that high so it means that uh, people are actually having more consensus that they shouldn't live the, uh um uh, illegally, but if you look into uh places like rural areas uh, uh like rural areas and some other places that were n- not well monitored and do see a lot of uh, illegal littering and that's why we also suggest that the government should have more um uh, monitoring on on the black spots of uh littering
6: you know this this the spitting i think the uh, uh, SARS in two thousand three and now with <laughs> and now again with with covid i mean spitting has disappeared from hong kong street spitting in the street so um people people don't want to do bad things uh, the, the uh, littering in in the country in the count, in the country areas i mean if you're coming down from a hike in the mountains where do you deposit your materials before in your you your wet your wet uh, skins of of uh, these the the, the, the the orange you've eaten where do you deposit them before you get onto public transport There is the coordination of those points is not very clear. And and so people have a need to deposit things along the way. They're not carrying everything home all the time. Um, And and that might not be reasonable to expect that from people. So I think the facilitating people to, to do the right thing is important. So where are the bins when you come down from Man Shan uh, and, and you go, you leave the country park? There are none, uh, but there could be easy, but you know where people take public transport, so maybe facilities should be there, but that's a coordination between the country park authorities and, and the FEHD. That kind of level of thinking We need. We can't just remove everything and then say, well, guys, you're wrong. You know, take it all home. Um, Facilitation is important.
5: Right. And and earlier in our discussion, we talked about uh, a feedback mechanism for the community. And uh, uh, our listener, Colin, here, he's uh, written an email and he says uh, the police have an excellent e-reporting system where various things can be reported online, including uh, uploading pictures. He says it's uh, very useful for illegal parking reports. And uh, that email is from Colin. Um, Paul, I mean, this um, e-reporting system uh, Colin is talking about, do, do you know if, uh, it can also be used for um, reporting uh, littering or illegal dumping of... Uh,
6: there are two which, e-reporting systems, one for the issues related to police enforcement and the other one for other issues. So um, I recommend people to always go use the tellme at 1823.gov.hk. Uh, you can find. You can go to their website. There's a form you can fill out. Uh, and under that system, uh, tellme.gov.hk. Um, and the, the other one, if it's, if it's really a police matter, you can also fill out uh, information uh, at the, uh, the police reporting site.
7: Yes, we- I agree on that too. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, let me add point. Uh, if you take a look at uh, Japan, actually um, it creates a system that allows people to uh, report uh, if, they, if they see any legal editoring. Um, and also, the penalty was really quite high. For uh, could be up to ten million uh, Japanese dollar, if you take a look at it. So uh, maybe Hong Kong can uh, can refer to kind of uh, reporting system, so that uh, people will alert that they shouldn't uh, litter
4: illegally. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Japan, uh, Beatrice, because uh, many many years ago, um, I. You know, I need to dispose of some garbage in Japan, and the way they how ha- the the way the system is exactly what you mentioned. You have little old ladies who stand on street corners. All the uh, bin liners are transparent. So on one day they do plastic, on one day they do papers. And this is all locally enforced. Paul Simon, do you see such a system in Hong Kong?
6: Yeah, I can see such a system in Hong Kong. We just have to all uh, work together, and, and I think we need a positive attitude on 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 the government side on. Putting in facilities that enable that uh, t- transparent bins, uh, making sure that the refuse collection points are well designed and are of adequate size. Uh, you know, just go to Big Wave Bay or <laughs> go to any small area and look at. You know, the population has grown since these sites were put in place. Our our requirements for separation has 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 increased, and and we still having refuse collection points that look like uh, you know the Second World War. So. It, it, we really got to get the facilities in place that enable people to do the right thing.
5: All right, Paul, we'll uh, have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Southern District Councillor Paul Zimmerman, who is the CEO of Designing Hong Kong. Many thanks also to Beatrice Hsu, Senior Public Affairs Officer at Greeners Action.
6: You're listening to Backchat. Call us on two double three double 266 and have your say.
5: It's now coming up to 18 minutes past nine and it's time to move on to our next topic. And it's about a new DAB survey that uh, shows that more than 65% of uh, the 1,256 women surveyed did not seek any medical help for menopause symptoms. A similar number of respondents also thought the government wasn't doing enough to promote awareness of menopause of, uh, and offering uh, support of uh, those who uh, who are going through it. To tell us more, we're joined on the line now by Dr. Vivian Wong, an honorary President of the Hong Kong Association for the Integration of Chinese Western Medicine. Good morning, Dr. Wong. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, So more than 65% of women surveyed didn't seek any medical help for menopause symptoms. Are you surprised by this finding or or is it uh, quite common for women not to ask about their menopause symptoms?
8: Yes, I think people are not aware of the problems that they may face later if they don't do something around the period of menopause. And so I think the numbers reflect the actual, actual, actual lack of education by the, the Department of Health because people don't realise that they need to assess the risks of problems such as like osteoporosis and then um, to get them um, tested and then to, to be taught how to prevent um, the bones from getting worse for example so so this is sort of a whole chain of uh, education evaluation prevention and perhaps the need for medication so so this this is something that uh, we are trying to push uh, the government to do and this is actually basic for primary health care and uh, we, we should be able to do it uh, because now we have these um, 18 district district health centers and the uh, government has maternal and child centres, women centres and so forth. So, so this is something quite easily done and uh, cost a little, but it is so important that it will prevent uh, future problems uh, that would require much more uh, treatment and uh, much higher cost to the government as well.
4: What are some of the other co- uh, problems other than osteoporosis?
8: Osteoporosis is um, the very important one because uh, it is um, one major cause of hospitalization from fracture uh, to, to actually use the hospital authority uh, activity uh, uh, um, facility but others that um, it is important would be uh, cardiovascular conditions um, from stroke to um, heart conditions which actually starts from lack of um, prevention at the time when their risk is getting higher. You see, during the menopause, uh, around the uh, period of climacteric, um, the um, female hormone, estrogen, uh, gets less and less. And that is the time when everything actually starts to uh, deteriorate faster than before, uh, say, the age of 50.
5: And uh, currently, are there any medical services uh, in the public uh, at public hospitals are uh, targeting women in, in, in menopause?
8: No, no. I didn't. At this point in time, there isn't really, um, you know, a program. And uh, in, in fact, uh, with it, CHP, you know, the Centre for Health Protection, for example, they, they have actually got. Uh, uh, Expert groups that worked on cancer screening, for example, and uh, they've done uh, you know a couple of recommendations for um, healthcare professionals for both survival cancer and breast cancer. and these are very important, but uh, they have not actually started um, you know total population um, uh, screening or high risk assessment. And that is very important. For example, when we talk about breast cancer, um, the Ho- University of Hong Kong has come up with um, um, a questionnaire uh, to assess. It can be done um, to assess the risk of having breast cancer. You, you know, people know about like family history, genetics, and so forth, right? So you could actually have that done, and then uh, select the ones that need um, regular uh, checking. Uh, in terms of mammography and so forth. So so these are things that could be done, and they know, they have the recommendations already, but uh, uh, they have just started to do pilots. And it is far too slow. In fact, we should be doing it on all women between the age of, say, 45 to 55.
5: Mm -hmm. And uh, the government is going to come up with a blueprint on primary health care soon. How should health care for women be covered in the blueprint?
8: Oh, that's very good. I think that's just the most important thing. In the blueprint, uh, we should actually put down this, um, you know, perimenopausal assessment as a basic for every individual. You see, the point is, uh, it could be done um, by, um, you know, your GP or family medicine doctor, or it could be done um, by um, the district health centres and, you know, all these public centres that are in the primary health care loop. So so this is very simple. All the government needs to do is to come up with the um, the standard uh, assessment protocol, and then uh, everyone can follow
4: it. What about what? what about the cost for public health care? Have you thought about that if we provide um, all of these tests for <laughs> That's free? That's very
8: important. I was just uh, trying to explain that uh, the cost is so little that uh, it can be done some of it is like self-assessment so you enter the questionnaire and so forth and the other is actually just one GP visit would uh, cover you know the assessment and everything and then uh, the advice on prevention for example like exercise those could be just on the uh, you know on the web Uh, you know you could put it up people could follow doing it and so forth so 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 the cost is really quite small. And only a very small portion of patients need to be on estrogen, so replacement therapy. So that can be prescribed by the, um, uh, by the GP. But most importantly is that by prevention, uh, we'll be averting uh, the need for going into hospital, which will be much, much more uh, expensive.
4: So um, the DAB that released this survey, Elizabeth Quat with the DAB, she said that uh, part of the problem is the stigma um, attached to menopause um, in in Hong Kong. Would you agree that a, there's a problem there? That, that is
8: perhaps uh, some of these um, uh, uh, sort of, I would think, uh, rather colloquial words that we use in Cantonese. Um, so so I, I guess that is... Uh, the case, but uh, I think from sort of a feminist viewpoint, uh, that is derogative, but uh, whether it does um, prevent people from seeking help, uh, we're not sure, but certainly that's something that we we should not, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 continue to do.
5: All right, uh, Dr. Wong, thanks again for speaking with us uh, this morning. That's uh, Dr. Vivian Wong, an honorary president of the Hong Kong Association for the Integration of Chinese Western Medicine. It's now 25 minutes past nine and it's time for our World Cup update with Adam Chung, our sports correspondent. Good morning, Atom. Good morning. You definitely look more refreshed today. <laughs> I guess it's because uh, there were no matches last night.
3: No, yeah, so a a good break uh, last night, the first uh, break uh, day uh, in the Qatar World Cup. Uh, Still other stories happening, though. Of course, a lot of talk in the build-up to the quarterfinal matches happening this weekend. Uh, Also, we got news uh, this morning that Eden Hazard has decided to retire from international football. He's the uh, star midfielder on the Belgium team, longtime member of Real Madrid. So, uh, you know, Belgium uh, got knocked out in the group stage. So he said, that's it, no more international football for me. I'm just going to focus on club football. And you see that happening with a lot of players. As they get older, they will spend more time on club football and, and sort of give the uh, younger kids more of a chance to represent their countries. So Azar, uh, no more. Uh, uh, Belgium, a uh, career is over. And also expecting other names to step away from international football too. Guys like uh, the uh, Spain captain Sergio Bisquets after uh, Spain got knocked out by Morocco. Uh, even guys like Sheridan Shakir. He apologized uh, to the Switzerland fans after they got uh, pounded by Brazil. Uh, He could... probably has played us the last international match as well.
5: All right. And now, now, Adam, we're more than halfway through the World Cup and um, all six Asian teams are out. Uh, what's your assessment of uh, their performance th- this year?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. So, uh, three Asian teams made it into the last 16. That's the best ever at a World Cup. I would say Japan did the best considering they beat the heavyweights like Spain and Germany along the way and they should have beaten Croatia uh, in that uh, last 16 match. Now, I think they Their recipe for success is getting guys to play in the top leagues in Europe. More than half of Japan's team, uh, the players, play in Europe's top tier competition, including eight guys on the German Bundesliga. Compare that to Korea and Australia. uh, Those two teams only have about half of their players playing in Europe. Now, if you look at the Middle East teams, Uh, Iran, they're they're okay. They've got a few guys playing in Greece and uh, Turkey. But Saudi Arabia and Qatar, all of their players play domestically. They're very protectionist uh, about their players. And this is ironic because after Morocco uh beat Spain to reach the quarterfinals you see Saudi Arabians and Qataris Egyptians all celebrating it's the first time an Arab nation has made it into the quarterfinals well you look at the Morocco lineup more than half of their players 20 players out of 26 on the squad play in the best leagues in Europe guys like Hakim Ziyech plays in Chelsea their goalkeeper Bono plays in Sevilla so if they want to do better, uh, the Arab nations, uh, other countries, they need to open up and have more players interact with other countries.
5: All right. right. And uh, we, we're, we're coming up uh, to the end of the program. Um, are there matches that uh, we, we should watch out for tonight? Uh, well,
3: there's no match tonight, uh, basically. So we're looking forward to the quarterfinals. So, uh, of course, that starts, uh, we're looking at tomorrow night, 11 p.m., starting with Brazil versus Croatia. And then the late kickoff tomorrow night is Netherlands versus Argentina, which is nice because then, for especially for those people who don't have to uh, work on Saturday. Saturday. they can stay up late watch both games maybe uh, then saturday night is portugal versus morocco and then that late kickoff that's the one a lot of people are looking forward to it's a france versus england france of course defending champions and they've never faced england before in a knockout match at a major tournament so this is a first
5: all right adam we'll have to leave it here for now I speak to uh, you again tomorrow and that's uh, adam chung our sports correspondent Many thanks also to you who commented or emailed us today and of course to our guest presenter Jenny Lam and our producer Yuki. Now here's the weather. Cool in the morning, mainly fine and dry during the day with highs of around 23 degrees. Winds, moderate northerlies. And the outlook, fine and dry with cool mornings in the next couple of days. Right now it's 19 degrees, relative humidity 72%. Railways
8: and major roads that link the urban areas and new development areas are closely related to our economy and livelihood. To meet future development and logistics needs, the government has launched the Strategic Studies on Railways and Major Roads Beyond 2030 to create a major transport infrastructure blueprint for Hong Kong. You are welcome to share your views on the proposed schemes on or before March 31,
5: 2023. Visit rmr2030plus.hk for more. It's 9.30, the news with Barry O'Rourke.
1: The United States has described the first public execution in Afghanistan since the Taliban regained power as despicable. A State Department spokesman, Ned Price, was speaking after a Taliban official confirmed that a convicted murderer had been shot to death by the father of his victim.